0: Hello from Cybrary and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Cybrary podcast. I'm your host, Will Carlson, Senior Director of Content here at Cybrary. And I, I really couldn't be more tickled to be joined today um, by a really amazing guest doing such important work in the cybersecurity space with such an interesting background and kind of a story about how she got where she is Um And not just doing cybersecurity work, but again, trying to grow and do so much more well beyond um, just herself. But I'm joined today by Tanisha Martin, the founder, president and executive director of a really amazing nonprofit, Black Girls Hack. And I won't, Tanisha, even uh, try to tell the story about Black Girls Hack and what's so important to you and to your team, um, I'll get out of your way and let you tell us all uh, kind of what that's about—the genesis story of Black Girls Hack—and you know the amazing thing that you're gonna that you're gonna do in the world.
0: Absolutely, that sounds amazing. Um, so I am Tanisha Martin. I am the executive director for Black Girls Hack. Um, we are a nonprofit 501c3 organization that's set up out of Virginia, but we operate throughout the world. Um, And we uh, provide a place for people who are trying to get into cybersecurity to basically meet with other like-minded folks. Um, We do mentoring, resume reviews, um, hands-on ethical hacking training, um, study groups, anything basically that stands between between, um, you getting into cybersecurity um, those are the things that we provide. So um, I'm fairly excited about this. And uh, to Will's point, this was basically started just based out of my own frustration trying to get into cybersecurity myself. Um, I tell people all the time, um, you know, I have uh, five master's degrees and um, I was trying to get into cybersecurity and I was not getting anybody calling me back. Um, and I realized that, you know, there might be some people who don't have as many degrees and don't have as many years of experience, you know, just in the workforce as I do, um, who are trying to get in, who have some of the same questions, have some of the same issues. So, um, I started, um, Black Girls Hack originally as an Instagram page, um, just to share resources, um, free books, free trainings, um, ways for people to basically, you know, reskill and upskill themselves to be able to get into the cybersecurity industry. Um, and it kind of grew from there. Um, we ended up doing, uh, meetups, um, where I was teaching people basically six days a week when we first started, um, on hands-on ethical hacking skills, um, you know, just showing them walking through try hack me and hack the box or, you know, basically whatever was the, uh, hacking platform of the day just to get, help people think about how to approach problem solving from an ethical hacking standpoint. So, um, you know, we've obviously grown since then, um, we're, when we started with just me, and now we have maybe 50 or 60 different volunteers, and we've got maybe a thousand members um, throughout the world. And um, the organization has definitely grown. But um, I'm excited to where we're at, and you know, to see where we're going to be moving forward.
1: No, that's really great. And it's, it's you know, so interesting to hear you talk about that, about, you know, five master's degrees, which in and of itself, hats off to you, is no small amount of work and investment on your part, but to still not be able to get callbacks. And then when we couple that with, you know, that makes total sense, right? Because we're completely flush with people in cybersecurity to do all the work. Right. Um, we're, no, we're not. Wait, that's <laughs> backwards, right? So to be in that situation, to be, you know, trying to get yourself into that career field and to have all the credentials that you had. And then we have, a you know, a kind of a epidemic shortage of talent was just for you had to be, I'm, I'm certain super frustrating.
0: What- it's very much so frustrating. Um, and I think that is for myself and a lot of folks that I interface with, um, it, it's very frustrating. Um, when we talking about, um, Trying to get into cybersecurity, we generally talk about going through like the front door or like the ATS systems, the uh, automated talent screening, which is basically submit your resume to a website, say, hey, I want to apply for this job, and then they're supposed to get back to you. Um, and a lot of times, myself and other people as well will submit their resume and then they'll get like, you know, basically instant rejection. Um, and it's like, well, nobody's actually looking at my resume, then they're not you know, seeing what it is that I, I could possibly bring to the table because, you know, I'm not even hitting, you know, whatever the keywords that they're looking for mm-hmm. to be able to apply for the job. And I was basically using the same resume for all of the jobs that I was applying for. Like, you know, hey, this describes who I am. This does a pretty good of um, job of that. But, you know, what I found is that um, I was going about it all the, the wrong way. Um, and I think that for the people within my organization, I, I tell them also that the best way to to get a job at cybersecurity is definitely not going through the front door. Um, it's more important to use your network um, and I mean like the people that you know, the the people that you meet, the people who know what it is that you're trying to do to get into like the side door or the back door, right? Through allyship, through sponsorship, through just knowing somebody who works there and then letting them, you know, help you get your resume in, to, in front of a person who will actually take a look at it and see what you can bring to the table.
1: Do you think to that point, I, I think there's two really interesting things there that you brought up. Do you think, does it make sense for cybersecurity professionals or applicants in general, knowing that we're kind of all up against this, not nefarious, but maybe a little bit nefarious ATS system. Does it make sense for us to try to optimize our resume and really do some, a little bit of OSINT on our own about, this is the job that I want to go for. Here's the terms that they're using with a clear conscience. Can I use some of those terms in my resume just to try to do a better job of getting in the front door? Should we be spending some time kind of optimizing that way, do you think?
0: Um, we absolutely should. Um, I think that that's important. You know, I tell people all the time, like if you're going to submit your resume, especially through the front door, that it's important that you make sure that you highlight the the roles and responsibilities that you've had in your previous experience that match up with that specific job, you know, so that you can actually hit those um those keywords. Um, I also tell people that if they're having a hard time trying to figure out what type of language to use in their resumes, that they take a look at some of the, like the nice framework, um, which basically just says, like, hey, this is how we describe, you know, the the, the knowledge, skills, and abilities of people who are in the cybersecurity workforce to, you know, basically represent that that body of work that they're doing. But you know, I think that when it comes down to it, you know, part of what what we're trying to do in cybersecurity is to address some of the, the conscious and unconscious bias that goes into some of these systems like the ATS, right? Um, it, it kind of like, you know, irks me that companies are still using them because when we take a look at them, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of that bias is, is actually baked into those systems. You know, uh, it's baked into those decision-making systems so that, you know, when you take a look at people who, you know, I'm, I'm a black woman in America named Tanisha, right. So, you know, those systems are going to see, you know, me and that bias that's built in is basically going to prevent me from ever making my way into, you know, those companies. Right. Um, And I want us to be able to, you know take a look at machine learning to take a look at algorithms and 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 artificial intelligence and the way that we're actually designing these systems with the same diversity of thought and approaches to problem solving that I'm you know advocating for the rest of the industry, right? Because I think that once we start to take a look at how those systems learn, you know, the data that it's getting and you know how, you know, kind of garbage in, garbage out, when you're getting data that's biased you know, you're going to get systems that are also biased, right? And we want to try to take a look at that. But in order to do that, we need to start getting people who are doing the research in algorithms or doing the research in um, machine learning um, to start to see some of those changes. So, you know, I think it's important that we, you know, tailor our resumes. But I also think it's important that we take a look at the decisioning systems that are going into these systems in the first place, right? And until we can fix them, you know, we try to advocate for companies to have people review their resumes. Um, and we kind of try to address the unconscious and conscious bias that those people have, you know, while we're waiting for, you know, long, long-term, you know, downstream change in the systems themselves.
1: Yep. No, I completely agree. I know here at Cyber we focus a, a lot of, of our efforts internally on the, the capacity capability and confidence uh, kind of weak spots in the market. Right. And, and I think this, this one really speaks to the capacity piece of it. So if you, If we're looking for a swath of people that are the same swath of people that we've been trying to get into cybersecurity for a number of years, then we're probably gonna continue to have the shortcoming and the shortfall in people in seat, right? And so, you know, I know for us here at Cyberary, we're we're working really hard to find all the ways that we possibly can with what we do and the impact that we have on the market to how can we grow the capacity of the industry at large? And, you know, obviously probably goes without saying for us, some of that is training, some of that's accessibility and availability. And I think you and I could probably talk for a while on some of the more expensive, really, really pricey options in the market that just off the top exclude people um, that in some ways aren't already in the industry. But Cyber. I mean, obviously, we really want to be a, a counterpoint to that. But I do think to your comment here, like changing the way and optimizing resumes is, is at least a little something that we can all kind of do to play our part to hopefully increasing the capacity in the market. But I think your other one's interesting, too, about uh, really networking. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what's, what's kind of some of the advice that you give to, to folks in the program for Black Girls Hack about how they can do that, right? So I've tried to go in the front door. I've optimized my resume as much as I possibly can for the role. I did all the and I researched the company. I aligned my experience to their job requirement. And I'm still not getting anywhere, but I'm really in this for the long game. How can I, how can I make that, you know, that, that side-loaded entry into the market?
0: Um, absolutely. So, um, so me personally on my LinkedIn, I'm connected with like probably thousands of people at this point. Um, and it's not because, you know, I, you know, know all these people per se directly. It's just normally just people who, you know, reach out and they, they want to connect. Um, and I make the visibility of my LinkedIn profile so that everybody can see who I'm connected to. The reason being is, is that, you know, I want, um, my network to have access to my network. Okay. So what that means is like, for example, if you're, you know, somebody who's applying for a job at a specific location, you know, and you're like, Hey, I want to go work for this, you know, ABC Corp. Right. And, um, they could take a look at my connections on LinkedIn and see who I know who works at, at ABC Corp. And I will basically reach out to those people and say, you know, Hey, um, this person is trying to get a job there. Can you connect them with the recruiter or can you connect them to a person who works, you know, on this team that's able to, you know, basically refer them or help them to be able to tailor, you know, what they need to talk about, whether that be in the interview or whether that be, um, in the company itself. But so, you know, I think it's important that we, take advantage of opportunities. Um, Also like uh, conferences, cybersecurity conferences. So like DEF CON and uh, Black Hat and, you know, there's a lot of different conferences out there. You know, I, I recommend all the time for people to actually go to those conferences and actually meet new people and see what they're doing, not just so they can be exposed to the types of work that other people are doing in the types of research, but just so they can have other contacts. Because um, I think if we're looking for something, if I just look around the room, I might not have found it. But if I've got, you know, 10 pair of eyes that are also looking, you know, for something, in this case, that something is a job, right, then, you know, my odds of finding it are a lot better.
1: Now, I love that you said that, right? So one of the questions I had kind of Teed up in my mind to follow up on you. You you already pulled out from underneath me. So thanks so much for that, Tanisha. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to have to think on the fly a little bit more. But <laughs> now my question was going to be, and, and I think you have a great answer to it. Was you know coming in through the side loaded way? Some people I've heard them push back and say, "Well, yeah, that's slow, and why should I have to wait that long and make all those connections to get into the industry?" But your very first example, I think, was just so on point, and that was leverage the people that you have today and the people that they're connected with. So is it great to go to meetups and to build your own network? Sure, 110%, but you probably have a network of people that you may not realize and somebody knows somebody that you just have to ask. Um, and I know for myself and from my experience here with, the you know, back years ago now with the Cybrary community, um, there are cybersecurity communities that are just willing and wanting to take in as many people as they possibly can. So I do think cybersecurity can be tough to break into, but much like Black Girls Hack, I think there are a number of places that want to help people build that community. And once you get your foot in the door, I think, in one of those types of organizations with people that are willing and happy to help you network because we all believe it really solves the our bigger problem, then it short-circuits some of that answer. I wonder... I'll give you a little bit of time to answer that question that I've heard so often. Well, great, but that side loading approach is so slow. Would you have anything else other than your, I mean, again, initial wonderful answer without even knowing I was going <laughs>
0: to? <laughs> um, absolutely, I do. So, um, I I think we had before we got started. I was talking to you guys about just like scheduling. Um, and a, a big piece for me of what I do day to day is trying to make relationships. For companies that are hiring, right? Um, because we're not just trying to get people trained, and we're not trying to, you know, provide an environment for them to basically exist and to grow with. But we're also trying to create, you know, pipelines to employment, right? So what we're trying to do, you know, for the people who are like, you know, hey, the side door, the, you know, that that approach is going to take a little bit too long. I need something a little bit more immediate. We have, you know, relationships with different corporate. Um, entities within you know the the cybersecurity world that are actually hiring right now whether that be entry level whether that be interns whether that be you know seasoned people who are looking for jobs right now um and as much as possible i try to make those relationships you know throughout the industry um so that people just know what it is is out there and they can know where they can apply to Um, when you think about applying for a job um folks usually go to the same types of places like the, the Indeeds, the Glassdoor, the, you know, maybe the LinkedIn. Right. Um, but it's like, you know, there are employers that are out there that people may not realize are, you know, very big on cybersecurity. Every company, you know, in theory, every company out there should have, you know, a very robust uh, cybersecurity workforce. Right. So all of those companies should be um, hiring. And so one of the other things that we do on a, on a, on a fairly re- Um, frequent basis is have um, lunch and learns with companies that are hiring to let people know like, Hey, these are the types of people that they hire. These are the types of people that they're looking for. These are the type of skills that we're looking, skill sets that we're looking for. Um, and then we partner with organizations like CyberA, where we can help people to reskill, to upskill, to, you know, get training in areas that they may not be as solid in so that they can be able to speak to those things when, you know, they're applying to these companies, right? Because, you know, I think that the companies don't necessarily just care about, you know, your education and don't care just about, you know, your certifications. They also, you know, at least in my mind, should care about like what it is that you're working on, what it is that you're passionate about, you know, whether that be like a subsector of, you know, testing or like mobile forensics or, you know, mobile penetration testing, or, you know, I'm, I'm taking a look in the, in the mobile space right now, but like there's so many different, you know, um, areas that people just may not know. We, we did a class for our um, members, um, I think it was last year, if not um, 2020, on mainframe penetration testing. Hmm. people are like, what do you mean mainframes? Are people still using those? You know, most of your favorites still use mainframes in 2022, right? So, you know, this is, again, a very niche um, sector of people who can, you know, go and work on these things, right? And I'm sure that they can command very large salaries because, you know, it's something that people may not necessarily know about, but it's something that is absolutely required, you know? So, you know, we try to, as much as possible, you know, Provide the connections to the companies that are hiring, hiring, but then also provide exposure for people to say, "Hey, this is something else that's out there that might be a good combination of you know the skills that I bring that I might be able to you know enjoy."
1: Do you find with um, the the people that um, your company engages with, are they looking for pure, pure cybersecurity roles? Like, I want to be an analyst, I want to be a penetration tester, or do you find that? The community of folks that you serve have a bigger understanding of cybersecurity, and I'll explain what I mean about that, right? So um, governance, risk, and compliance, audit, um, you know, so many, I I primarily have a small to mid-sized business background, and not all of the companies that I worked with had a dedicated cybersecurity team. But to your point, we all had cybersecurity needs. So the more cybersecurity aware and enabled a network administrator was or a system administrator were... You, they deal with tasks that are cybersecurity tangential all day long, every day. And without strong professionals in those roles that do that, then we're probably all going to fall flat. <laughs> and or our alert cues are going to be blowing up and our pen right. tests are going to be really simple. So I, I wonder, are you are you finding people in the conversation view cybersecurity kind of in that same broad approach that I would, or are they a little more narrowly focused on more pure cybersecurity roles?
0: Um, I think it's the the broader um, approach that you're talking about, right? Because when I started, I'm like, all right, well, you know, Black Girls Hack, that, you know, on its face value says we're talking about basically Black women who are ethical hacking or penetration testing, something of that nature, right? But, you know, if you look at our, our range of service offerings, we have people who are doing GRC things. We have people who are doing, like, blue team things. We have people who are doing cybersecurity marketing or HR or training things, right? Um, curriculum development, for example. Um, the, the umbrella of cybersecurity is so broad and, you know, the same way that we don't just, you know, restrict black women from joining our organization, we've literally got, you know, everybody under the rainbow, men, women, non-binary, you know, everything racially, um, they can welcome to come hack with us. The definition of hacking is really broad. They don't necessarily have to be, you know, per se penetration testing or, you know, doing something that's specifically hacky, right? It could be like people hacking, or it could be like people who are lawyers, or it could be, you know, any... Um, any vertical out there, as long as it's, you know, cybersecurity adjacent. And a lot of people feel like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm a system admin, you know, am I, am I a cybersecurity? You know, just because your title doesn't necessarily say, you know, cybersecurity, that doesn't mean that your t- your roles and responsibilities don't include that. Right. And a lot of people need to just be made aware of that so they can think us out of the box. Right. Because, you know, just because your job doesn't say, you know, cybersecurity, Analyst or engineer or whatever, it doesn't mean that you're not doing something in cybersecurity because, you know, ideally, everybody should be thinking about cybersecurity no matter what it is that they're doing.
1: Yeah, you know, so many people in compliance. Somebody, I have a bit of background in PCI. You know, I, I don't know any of my titles having to do with uh, payment card industry data security standard. They may have never said cybersecurity, but I would be hard pressed for anybody to say that that's not a cybersecurity. It absolutely is. Either from the audit perspective or from the technical implementations perspective, or you know, it's it's just so interesting. There, the titles are so big, and I'm really encouraged to to have you tell us that you know people um, that, that you're seeing are looking at it that way and embracing it that way because it really is a, a big field and I think when we have a narrow definition of it we just we take that capacity part of the market and we just continue to shrink it down
0: um, yeah and I think that we people just need to take a look at you know I think, the overall umbrella a little bit more. And I'm saying not just people who are hiring, but I think people also who are looking for jobs because, you know, realistically, when you look at job um, descriptions, they'll be like, you know, I need this person. And they approach it from a very like um, recipe oriented, like checkbox. You need, you know, a half teaspoon of this. And I need, you know, I need a CISSP. I need, you know, five years of experience. And I need, you know, these specific things. And I I think that part of the reason why we have such a large number of positions open and a a large number of people who are looking for jobs, but then like, we're not actually making those marriages is because we're approaching it in a very, you know, prescription manner when it really shouldn't be that way. It should be more like, what are the skills that we need for this person to bring to this position? Right. And then what uh, within this position can we actually teach? You know, I feel like a lot of the, the technology, the, company-specific things we can teach, right? We really just need to be somebody who, you know, thinks outside of the boxes, ha- who has, you know, different approaches to problem solving, um, you know, who understands security, who understands what needs to be done. And maybe not necessarily, you know, 10 years of experience in this tool that's been out for two years, you know? Um, you know, whatever the, the, the f- foolishness that we see out here in these job descriptions. So, you know, I think that, you know, we need to, as an industry, take a look at you know, people who have the potential, people who are basically using tools like CyberAI to upskill themselves, to, you know, increase their knowledge sets so that they can be, you know, more competitive for jobs. And they need to take that into consideration, you know, when they're hiring them.
1: It's always so funny. You mentioned tools that have 10 years experience for a tool that's been around for two or eight. Um, Unfortunately, we definitely still see some of that. But another one that I've run into before is, um, you know, job descriptions that will have a specific tool listed. Like, you need to have used this sim. And they don't say it as in preferred or strongly preferred or it's just an assumed fact. Like, we only will take people that have used this particular tool. And I always think that's so funny because at no point in my cybersecurity career was the tool stack that I was using a stagnant thing. Mm. So, yeah, we're using that particular sim today. But in six months when that contract is up and it's more expensive than we wanted it to be and we pull the team and the engineering resources that support it and everybody says, yeah, that tool's no good. We want to consider a new one. Now, all of a sudden, that thing that was on the job description that you absolutely had to know, we're not using anymore. We're using something totally different. So instead of saying log analysis is a general skill that somebody needs to bring to the table or alert triage we start diving down the, the the rabbit hole of needing these specific tools on these specific technologies, and I, I, on one hand, Tanisha, I feel like that's really counterproductive. On the other, I always encourage people just to use that to reverse engineer the job post. Like they clearly have a sim that they use. You can learn a little bit about it, and or you can compare your sim to that one.
0: Absolutely, or the companies that actually will develop a proprietary tool that they use and they want you to have experience, but then, you know, you're not actually being hired to that position to be able to get experience for that job. You know um, it's just like, it, it's a, you know, I, catch 22 type of thing you know like yeah. how do you get id if you need id type of um thing and you know i think that you know like you said we need to take a look at people who have an understanding of what to do with the logs or what to do with the sims you know not so much have specific knowledge of this specific tool or this specific you know company's tool product you know and um but you know that's typically not how what they do they approach it like a very prescription thing. Like, do you have access to this specific tool that we may not even be using, you know, a year from now? And then you, what are you going to do? Just get rid of your entire workforce and get new people who only use that new tool that you're going to use? Or do you just retrain the people that you have? I um, mean, I think that people take need to take a look at, you know, their internal workforces, especially when it comes to, you know, like, for senior level roles, because, you know, we're not just trying to get people into these roles, but we also want them to be able to be, to elevate themselves into, you know, management and executive level positions at some point, you know?
1: I think it's so great too. I love the approach of, a uh, jobs to be done. Like I don't care so much about the tool, but what's the job that is to be done. And even as a, an applicant to a job role, right? So when I see all those tool listings, I'm constantly trying to flip my own mental script for that job post and think, okay, what are they really asking about? How can I align what the business is needing in that post? And I may not align to the and agree that people should have specific tool training. Like if I have it, it's great. but what are they really wanting to get done? right? So if they're posting Splunk experience on a job post, then it's clear that you're going to be living in a sim very often. they want you to be proficient with that. And if I've never used that tool before, how is the applicant can I can I show that company? that I have an adjacent set of skills and or can make the pivot to that particular tool relatively quickly. Because as I mentioned, I think you can reverse engineer these job posts pretty easily. But we have to, as applicants, stop and think, what is the job to be done and how can my experience and how can I articulate that I can do that job to try to, you can't always do this, right? But to your point about kind of sideloading and coming in the side door, like they're asking for this thing and coming in the front door is having that skill. But how do I pivot that and flip the script to come around the back on them and go? You know what? I've never touched logarithm before, but I've lived in Splunk, I've lived in Alien Vault, I've lived in these other sim tools. I know how this, this, and that work. And if you could give me a scenario problem, I can work through how I would solve that in the sim tools that I've used. And then <laughs> we don't eyeballs go like this, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Well, hang on, let me think of a scenario. So I think we really can begin to reverse some of these things. Uh,
0: I was going to say, you know, I don't want you to actually get them to actually change that because, you know, as a pen tester, one of the things that we do, especially if we're doing an external network penetration testing, is I'm going to go and look and see what you're hiring for so I can see what tools that you're using. You know, that (laughs) helps me to do, you know, part of my job, right? So I don't necessarily want that to change, but, you know, you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, when we're talking to people about how to interview for these jobs, you know, even if you don't necessarily have the specific tool that, you know, you need, they're asking you to, you know, talk about, you know, the experience that you have using other tools that do the exact same thing, right? Just talks about, you know, the value that you can bring to the organization and how you're willing to learn whatever that specific tool is. And I think the jobs need to just be open-minded to the point where they're like looking for people who can, you know, accomplish, you know, jobs, you know, like you said, as opposed to, you know, use a specific tool for a specific purpose.
1: Yeah, it is so interesting, right? I know um, I've, had the privilege of privilege and or curse of going through a number of certifications in my career, for better or for worse. That's a topic for another day. We won't go down that rabbit hole at all. But I know one of the ones that I personally appreciated the most, and just my personal opinion, so take that for what it's worth, but was um, ISACA's CISM certification. Mm -hmm. And that was really because it leaned in so hard on kind of this topic, right? And it's how does cybersecurity inform the objectives and the goals of the business? And I think as cybersecurity professionals, I've we need to really think about that, and as an applicant, if you can do that well, I think, in my experience and from what I've seen with folks, that really gives you a bit of a leg up. Um, I'll say that another way. I, I know some cybersecurity professionals that think cybersecurity should exist for its own merits because everything should be cyber secure. And although I understand that and I appreciate that, and as a consumer whose information is kind of floating everywhere from no fault of my own, I wish we were better at that. But it is a little funny when we stop and think. Would an organization spend a million dollars on a mitigation that solved a five hundred thousand dollar problem? No, certainly we wouldn't. So I think as cyber professionals, circling this back around, when we're in that interview, if you can align with the business businesses and security teams' objectives and state how you can solve real problems for them, separate from the tools that they're using, I think that's really what these. There are some less than noble folks searching for talent for sure. But the bulk of people in organizations, that's what they're about. Is, can I find a candidate that solves a real problem for us today based on just an interview? So I think it's it's a tough situation for everybody a little bit, right? And the more articulate the as applicants that we can be, the more reversing we can do on their job descriptions and aligning Absolutely. our skill sets to their needs. Um, I think it starts to change things. And None of that is me saying this is all on us as as applicants. That's not it at all. I think the industry has a large, you know, we have a lot of room to improve as hiring managers and and companies as well. But I do think, I guess my point is, as applicants, we can flip the script. We can take some of this into our own hands and make some change here too that I think is really powerful when we align to the organizations that we're trying to serve.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, to, you know, I I would say that for, for applicants, it absolutely is your business to know what the business of the company is, you know, to know, you know, why it is that they're protecting and doing what they, what it is that they do. Right. Because if you don't know, you know, what the crown jewels of the company, if you don't know what, what they have to, you know, have an interest in protecting and why, and why that matters to their business, then, you know, you don't know what it is that you're doing or why it is. that what you're doing is is making a difference, right? And if you can articulate that, you know, it makes sense, especially if you're talking to, for example, a a hiring manager as opposed to an HR person, right? Because, you know, if you can explain to a hiring manager how, you know, hey, I understand that you're looking for this thing, but I understand your business and these are some approaches that you may not have thought about, right? They might appreciate that a lot more than, for example, an HR person who's just looking for you to answer, you know, what a specific keyword or something in order to move you to the next phase, right? So, you know, that's why I think it's important you know, we, we talk about, you know, going through the side door, getting somebody to actually take a look at your resume so that you can be able to actually be able to to tell them, you know, hey, this is what I can bring to the table. You know, because I, I think that most forward looking companies should be willing to approach appreciate, you know, that you bring, you know, an approach to problem solving um, and that you understand the business and that you can, you know, attempt to problem solve some of the issues that they may have. And I think that that's valuable for for your company. And you know, you can teach the the technical skills.
1: It's so interesting that as we have talked about this, and I, I've continued to think about Black Girls Hack as as the name of your organization. That I think some of what we're talking about really is, as applicants, how do we hack? The application the process people. for yeah. our own benefit. <laughs> <laughs> and, that,
0: and that's why, you know, when we talk about like hacking, a lot of people, like, like I mentioned, you know, they think specifically we're talking about penetration testing or ethical hacking, but you know, a lot of it is, you know, hacking the system, hacking the process, hacking the people, you know, you know, taking a look at how things are done and figuring out what people didn't consider, you know? Um, and I think that, 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 you know, thinking outside the box is a very big part of what we're asked to do as cybersecurity professionals. Um, you know, and I think that that's a skill that people need to to value and look for more so than a lot of the other things, you know, I can teach anybody, you know, the the step by step process, but, you know, oh, yeah. how, teaching people like how to think outside the box, you know, in order to be successful, specifically in, you know, my chosen area, which is penetration testing, you have to think about what developers were not expecting, you know, how, there's a certain way that they intended this system to be used. What can you do outside of that? You know, what did they not think about? You know, what can, you know, what's the what if factor? And I think that that's, you know, what makes somebody at least good in penetration testing and I think in cybersecurity as as a whole, you know, what were people not thinking about when they put this process together? And, you know, all of the things that we're looking at, the job application process, the interview process, these are all processes, right? So like, you know, think outside the box, you know, how can you, you know, break this process, you know, for your benefit.
1: That's my favorite, by far, general definition of hacking, right? It's that using something for an unintended purpose. And I will leave it up to the people whether they use it for a beneficial unintended purpose or a nefarious unintended purpose. Obviously, right. we're going to advocate for the white hat approach here all day long. But that that's the simplest version of hacking, right? I think way back when hacking was phone dorking, you know, you got a, a Captain Crunch whistle and cereal box and you blew it into the phone and you're able to make toll p- calls for free. Like that's if if that's something that the audience hasn't heard, go look up phone dorking. You'll, you'll find it uh, in there. And it may seem like a, I don't know, an academic exercise, but it's not. I think it's a perfect example of what hacking really is, right? And Where it started was, here's this thing that was designed to accomplish A. What else can that thing do? And I think as we were talking again, like here's a job post. This employer clearly put this out here to find somebody with, 10 years of experience in this specific thing, using this specific tool for this specific outcome. How do I hack that? How can I reverse that in a way that helps me? Because to your point about uh, as on pen tests, right, those things are great. Like what skills are they looking for? What new roles are they looking for that they haven't? But as applicants, you can leverage all of that too for your benefit. But and again, it's just a funny thing that black girls hack why not hack the application process to help as well? Even you know what you led with in, in um leveraging your networks. Um, that's a little bit of hacking too, right? So, how can I insert myself into a process with an agreeable group of people that will help me make a connection that might get me past that ATS that that's in my way? You yeah, just gotta find a way around. Like so it's a pen test, right?
0: It is, and, and and I think one of the things that's been most surprising to me since entering, you know, um, this this field and doing this work is that people are willing to help, you know there are some people out there that are like, you know, hey, I don't want to give you a leg up or hey, I don't want to. But for the most part, people are willing to, you know, hey, let me submit your resume or hey, let me give you a mock interview. I've had people who have just reached out to me like, you know, hey, let's talk about this beforehand just so we can kind of pregame and make sure that you're ready for the types of questions that you might be asked. So I can help you get ready. Um, and I think that that in itself is invaluable, you know, using, you know, the experience of the people who came before you to make your life a little bit more efficient. You know, that is, I think, above all else, my goal for Black Girls Hack is to help to make the the role for people who are trying to get into cybersecurity in the future a lot more efficient than what, you know, myself and people who've been in, you know, trying to do this for a while, you've had to go through, you know, and I think just a lot of that comes from the experience um, of people who came before who are willing to kind of reach back and, and help.
1: It's, it's interesting. I think the shared suffering a little bit in the cybersecurity space, sure. right? So like I know, um, on this side, a number of our, our content creators, instructors, subject matter experts, when Log4J hit the ground in a big way, it was like, er, full stop, you know, everybody's working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks, week after week after week after week. And, you know, I think that's some of the some of the the guts of the community for cybersecurity. It's like anybody that has the tenacity to want to come alongside us that are dealing with that and wants to deal with that too. Well, they're the same kind of warped as me. <laughs> right. and let's help them figure out how to get into this field. So I, I that's been my experience too. Is that you know it may be a little uncomfortable. I don't know that our culture and society does a great job of surfacing community as a necessity anymore, maybe the way that we used to, but certainly in cybersecurity, it it takes a village. It really does. This is a hard Absolutely. career, like we have to shore each other up and, and this is a shared journey. And I think if you're just willing to jump in a little bit and maybe be a little vulnerable and uncomfortable, you will find a, a very welcoming community of people. You might have to look a bit, I'm not gonna say there are not some toxic cybersecurity communities because there definitely are. right? But it's been really interesting to me more than not, cybersecurity communities are really uplifting. They really want to help more people come alongside and get into the field if they're interested in the field.
0: Absolutely. And I think for me, I I think I appreciate, you know, especially when we're talking about like Social media like Twitter, um, LinkedIn, is that you know typically when something happens, it'll hit the uh, the news cycle, and you know after it's fallen out of the the you know the twenty four hour or forty eight hour news cycle, you know people are still dealing with it. You know, like you said, the log for J, people were dealing with that. You know. Weeks and months later. Um, And, you know, you probably wouldn't know that if you weren't connected to, you know, a lot of people within the community, you know, which is why you'll start to see people who, you know, have incorporated questions about that, like, as a part of their interview process, or, you know, how do you approach something, you know, that just comes out of nowhere and affects a, a large amount of people, you know. Um, because I, th- I think that it's it's a community, and, and the sooner we start, you know, approaching all of the things as a community, as opposed to thinking that we're all out here by ourselves, I think mm-hmm. the, the industry will be better for it.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I I, I think I'll say that it, that I, I don't really need any more proof in the pudding, other than that you're here on the podcast today, and that you're doing exactly what you're doing. I'm certain somebody with your background and expertise could be doing thousands of things with her time and you're choosing to do this right to help others come along and get into this field that are interested in getting into this field so if you know if you don't know of a community to help you get started you know one now from listening to the podcast. So Black Girls Hack is absolutely wanting and willing to help come alongside you and help you in your journey to getting into cybersecurity. Cyberry is all about, as I mentioned, the capacity, capability, and confidence in the market. And we want to come alongside as many people as we possibly can to help them break into the field. So there are absolutely resources out there for people. If you'll look a little bit you gotta step out and dive in, which sometimes is uncomfortable for us, right? Um, you know, I guess maybe for STEM and technical people, um, you know, we tend to be can not all, but some of us can tend to be a little bit more reserved, a little quieter, more introspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes it's uncomfortable, but you will find a community if you look. And if you're in a community and you don't like it and it's not going your way,
0: find another one. Go
1: find another one.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I I tell people to join all of the communities, um, you know, not just one. It, it's not like we, you know community is a limited commodity there's so many different communities out there you know i tell people all the time join all the organizations join black girls hack join um you know so many organizations that do the same type of work that provide community join them all because they all bring different things um to their memberships um that are going to help in different ways so you know i think in it's important that you not just join but that you also share the word that people know uh, about what it is that, com- that the organizations are doing so that they can you know tell the people who need to, to use the services, you know, who need to be a part of a community themselves.
1: Absolutely. So as we have been talking to, I, I, I've thought about a book that I read, um, and, and this leans into the, the kind of the biases part of the conversation that we had. It's, it's called, um, the psychology of intelligence analysis by Richard Hoyer, H E U E R. Um, and it's, No, I I mean, I'll I'll caveat that this one's probably not for everybody. It's a little bit academic, but it's written by somebody who was really big in the intelligence analysis space. So think the CIA and the FBI, not Mm -hmm. so much the cybersecurity space. Um, But the book talks about a number of biases that is intelligence analysts um, that we get into. And so much of it is applicable for defensive analysts as well um, about the biases just as humans that we have cognitive biases that we have the biases towards information that we already know like once we've heard a story or once we've drawn a conclusion about something we look for all the information that continues to support that conclusion and a number of biases it was just really interesting right so i think even a little bit our conversations about bias can be a little narrow, kind of like sometimes our conversations about cybersecurity can be a little bit narrow. So I would encourage anybody that's curious, particularly if you're a defensive analyst on that side of things, um, pick up the book, thumb through it, get a free copy. You'll find it at your local library. Um, I I know for myself, at least, it really did challenge me and the way I thought of things and the way I took in information. A a quick tidbit from the book is to um, uh, externalize and decompose. And they talk about big problems, right? So as a cybersecurity professional, I've got this big problem. I'm on this pen test and I've got this huge issue and I can't even get all my thoughts pulled together. And so what the book talks about for, you know, intelligence analysts is you have to break it down into smaller pieces and you need to get it on paper somewhere so you can see it and begin to make sense of it. Like I'm sure, Tanisha, you know, as a pen tester, like a huge part of your life is getting thrown into a network you know nothing about
0: absolutely that's
1: like as soon as as you can start to get a little bit of understanding about what's in that environment and what's kind of where and kind of get it together and get a mental map of that environment then you're kind of off to the races right you know where to point your scans you know what to go looking for you know where the crown jewels might be kept um so again all that to point out it's a little bit of an academic book written for a little bit of a different audience and you said it was richard what was his last name Hoyer, H-E-U-E-R. I'll make sure we get it posted down in the show notes below. Okay. Um, For anybody that wants to read it, um, I I wonder, Tanisha, for for you, um, any other recommendations like that, be be it other communities that people can get involved in, resources that they can use, books that they can read to help kind of frame the way they think about cybersecurity?
0: Um, Absolutely. So um, uh, I actually just got a book recently that was about – uh, 97 things every cybersecurity professional should know. I think um, it's t- taught by uh, uh, it's written by a lot of different um, folks in the space. Um, so I would recommend that. Um, I and I can't remember the name of the book, but I just got a book that's about um, you know the the thought process that goes in like to advance persistence uh, threats um, recently, and I can't remember. Um, and it's like facing away from me right now. So I'm looking in my book, bookshelf. Um, but like, there's a lot and of different organizations. The in the
1: show notes. So no, no trouble there. <laughs>
0: um, but uh, organizations, um, women's cyber jitsu is an organization for women's cybersecurity professionals. Uh, RAISIS is a organization for um, Latin cybersecurity professionals. and professional. Um, there's uh, black girls in cyber, you know, which is an overall umbrella um, minorities in cybersecurity are some of the organizations I work with. Um, Yeah, um, I think that's it. But um, there's so many different organizations out here that are doing, um, I don't know if I mentioned WESAs, but so many organizations out here that are doing amazing um, work um, in this space to just provide community for people.
1: Yeah, it really is great. This is is a team contact sport. I I know somebody told me a long time ago that there are very few career fields other than likely the Department of Defense where... Professionals go to work every day knowing that there's an adversary trying to get around and or undo the work that you did that day. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I, I really, I, I, they said that and I was like, you know what? I actually think that's true. I cannot think of too many jobs where that's the case. And that's what we're up against, right? So I think community is super, super important, not just for getting into this space, but to keep everybody going. And I know, you know there are a number of adjacent topics here that uh, are kind of troubling our industry today, um, that community really helps. So I encourage everybody, whether you're breaking in, whether you're in the, whether you're in cybersecurity community is absolutely going to help. And we'll make sure we post a number of those uh, suggestions that Tanisha had in the, in the show notes below. Um, Tanisha, you know, thank you so much for hopping on today to, to chat with me about kind of where we're at as cybersecurity as an industry, what people can do to break in and, um, and, you know, kind of where we're headed and, and what, it is that Black Girls Hack is really all about. If I were to summarize and add in anything here, because I'm probably missing something, it's um, ATS, love it or leave it. It is a real thing that we're dealing with as an industry today. So it's probably good, whether you like it or not, to try to optimize your application. Don't just spray and pray. Same application, not to everybody. Do your OSINT, be a hacker. Hack the ATS if you can. Work on your networks, and that doesn't mean spending two years trying to infiltrate cybersecurity circles. There are a bunch of open, willing, and wanting cybersecurity circles that you can jump into today. That as soon as they know a little bit about your skill sets, they're happy uh, to help you make connections. Um,
0: those are the two big ones. What am I missing? I know I'm missing something. Um, I think that that's that. That's good. Um- You know, and if anybody wants to, they're welcome to connect with me um, on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to, you know, open up my network to help people um, join the organization, join several organizations. This is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So, you know, the theme this this year is see yourself in cyber, right? So, you know, find out what people are doing, um, see what interests you and, you know, start to make the transition and the move into the industry.
1: Yeah, I know. Probably I'll I'll classify this as a shameless plug and so be it. But Cyberary is doing, in partnership as an NCAM provider, uh, partnering with NCAM, we are releasing some weekly challenges. So four challenges for the month of October aligned to the same topics that NCAM is covering. Those challenges are going to be free for the community. So if you want to get in and try your hand at uh, what does it look like when passwords aren't secure and I'm cracking passwords, join us for the challenge series coming up about that. And again, the four NCAM topics, they are Use multi-factor authentication, use strong passwords, patch your software, and phishing. So we'll have challenges aligned to all of those for the month of October, fully available for free for the community. Um, You're welcome to join us, post comments, ask any questions you have about those. We'd love to help people get through that content as well. Um, You know, Cybersecurity Awareness Month should be, in some ways, as much fun as we possibly can make it because, goodness, how many of us are so tired of hearing don't click on that link and and the video comes along with that, so... Fun ways to kind of come back here in October Um, and a great way for us on the podcast to kind of kick things off and and speaking with you today, Tanisha. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much. Cybrary, the premier cybersecurity skill development platform is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.